Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, good morning and happy Feast of the Epiphany. Here we are. Coming to the end of the Christmas season, I've got a lot in my heart that I want to unpack and share with you this morning, so I just want to get into it. So, here we go. Buckle up. I want to do something a little bit different with this homily this morning, and maybe maybe I'll do this a little bit more going forward, inspired by, I've been so taken this past week thinking about the... uh, the life and the legacy of Pope Benedict XVI. By the way, we don't call him Pope Emeritus anymore. He's, because he's, he's dead, he's, he's in heaven. He's Pope Benedict. He's no longer Pope Emeritus. So I've been thinking a lot about Pope Benedict this past week, thinking about his legacy, reading a lot of his things, and uh, just an amazing man, died at 95. But as a young priest, Pope Benedict, Joseph Ratzinger, as a young theologian, he was about my age, when he was invited to be a theological consultor at the Second Vatican Council. That is a mind-blowing and very humbling and challenging thing for me to think about as a priest. 35 years old, he's invited to be a theological expert for the Second Vatican Council, which means that he was there. He was there on the debating floors. He was there talking to the bishops. He was there talking to the other theological experts. He was there, and he knew what they were aiming at. And he was a harsh critic of where things went off the rails in subsequent decades afterwards. He was there at the council. And the council fathers, along with Joseph Ratzinger, along with Pope Benedict, he, they said this, quote, The church must take very special care to see that the faithful do not assist at this mystery of faith, the mass, like strangers or dumb spectators. On the contrary, the church wants them to have a good understanding of the mystery through the rites and prayers, and thus to take an intelligent, devout, and active part in the sacred action. An intelligent, devout, and active part in the sacred action. Here at Sacred Heart, we're trying to respond to this. We're trying to respond to this. Both Popes Benedict XVI and Pope uh, John Paul II, they saw in their own lifetime that this uh, catechesis, this formation of the faithful, helping them to understand these mysteries, helping the faithful to understand what it is that's unfolding in front of us Sunday after Sunday, the catechesis has been an abysmal failure. Both popes said it, quote, it's a de- we are living in a deplorable situation and even a scandal. That's Pope Benedict that the formation of the faithful after the Second Vatican Council, giving them the ability to understand what we are doing, is, as he says, it's been an abysmal failure. We've not really done our part. This is why over the past few weeks, if you've been here at Mass before, uh, before the procession starts, the announcements start, we've been doing those liturgy lessons. We're doing those liturgy lessons, breaking down every little part of the Mass as best we can to try and explain, to unpack what it is that's happening in and through these sacred actions. So, kind of inspired by that, inspired by Pope Benedict on the solemnity, I want us to just linger in the opening prayer that I prayed at the beginning of Mass, also known as the Collect. I want to press in to see what's being proposed 
vis-a-vis this solemnity that we're celebrating, what the church is inviting us, the vision of Holy Mother Church that comes to us through the prayer. I would bet very few of us have any memory of what I said 15 minutes ago when I chanted that prayer. Something about something, a star, maybe? Was there a star in there? Magi? I don't know. Here's the problem. So often we are moving through these motions, through these rituals, like we hear the words, but we don't really hear them. We see the actions, but we don't really see them. What I want us to do is I want us to hear it again and to just linger in it. So here's the opening prayer again, the collect. O God, who on this day revealed your only begotten Son to the nations by the guidance of a star, grant in your mercy that we who know you already by faith may be brought to behold the beauty of your sublime glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And all the people said? Very good. Okay, making sure we are actively participating. Here we go. Let's start with those first two words. Actually, let's just start with the very first word of that opening prayer, the collect, the O. We're going to do a word-by-word breakdown of this prayer. You're like, how long is this homily going to be? Okay. We're starting with O. I would venture to say, I haven't checked, but I would be quite confident to say that nearly every prayer that the church has, every collect, begins with O. Why? What is this O? It is Quite simply, the expression, the expression, the pressing out. That's what the word means, expression, to press out of the cry of our hearts. Like right here, the liturgy is teaching us from the very beginning that the Mass is for those who are in touch with their hearts. The Mass is for those who are in touch with their hearts. Are you in touch with your heart? Like, have you come here, or is it just because life and everything, you just come here, sit down, and I just want to get through this, check the box off, Father. I wish it was Donut Sunday, but it's not. Moving on. The Mass is for those who are in touch with their hearts, because this is meant to be not a head-to-head, but a heart-to-heart encounter. The O is the cry of the heart. Like, am I in touch with the reality that I feel in me this need to be saved, to be saved for myself, that I have a hunger in me for everything good and true and beautiful, that nothing in this world, as good as it is, as beautiful as it is, nothing in this world lasts, and nothing in this world is big enough to fill completely that longing in my heart. Like this morning, I already had like an anger at the decorations in this church. I was angry at the lights. Why? Because this is the last Sunday we'll have them until next year. Because they're going away. Because this is beautiful. But this beauty fades. It doesn't last. I want beauty that lasts. Friendships that last. I want friends that never die. I want embraces that never end. I want everything good and true and beautiful. And the problem is I can't give that to myself. There is in my heart, as there is in your heart, because we are human persons with deep hearts, a longing for so much beyond this world. This is the O. Pope Benedict, he's reflecting on this. He's reflecting on the Magi's pilgrimage to the manger. This is what Pope Benedict said. 
these men who set out towards the unknown were, in any event, men with restless hearts. Men driven by a restless quest for God. They were filled with the expectation, not satisfied with their secure income and their respectable place in society. They were looking for something greater. These magi, they were in touch with the O in the deep of their hearts. And where did it take them? Look at the next word. God. O God. Like this is who we are meant to be addressing with our ache, with our cry. The church is teaching us right here to direct our hearts to him, to direct our hearts to him, to train our, our deep yearnings, our deep thirsts, our deep hungers to him. We are hungry and we are thirsty. And Jesus is singing a song to us. I satisfy the hungry heart. Like in our minds and in our hearts, friends, like if we've reduced that word God, if we've reduced that word God to the scorekeeper in heaven who just wants to impose life-sucking rules upon me, like if I just simply think of him as master, as Lord, as administrator of justice, then in this fearful dynamic, I, like, I would never bring my heart's hunger for the infinite to him. Why would I? He's not safe. But what if something else is the case, right? What if, as St. Augustine said, what if St. Augustine's right when he said that Christians, when Christians say God, he says, what do they express? Everything that I desire. Like, what if just like for the rest of this year that that was something that you meditated on? God, you are everything that my heart longs for. So here we are, stirred up with hungry hearts, coming to Mass. We've come here to have our hearts reoriented. That's why we start Mass with the penitential rite, because we have been disoriented. We've taken our hearts with their hungers and their thirst to all sorts of things, false infinities that don't satisfy. And that's why we're in pain. That's why we're angry. That's why we're addicts, because we are taking our hungers to false infinities that don't satisfy. So we repent at the beginning of Mass. Lord, I'm so sorry for the ways that I've turned my infinite hunger towards all sorts of things that are just not you. We come here to be reoriented. That word oriens in Latin means the east. The east. The direction of the rising sun. S-U-N-S-O-N. This is why the church in her liturgy for centuries has prayed ad orientem, to the east, orienting our hearts towards the rising sun, the one who alone can satisfy. Then we say this, O God, who on this day revealed your only begotten son to the nations by the guidance of a star, that this infinite mystery, who is God, has come to us like he's ripped open the heavens and he's come down. He's unveiled himself. He's made himself vulnerable. That's what happens when you reveal yourself. This is why so many of us are guarded, because we know to reveal ourselves is to make ourselves vulnerable. God revealed himself, made himself vulnerable, made himself woundable. That's what the word vulnerable means. He made himself woundable. Like Jesus in the flesh, he is the Father's heart 
exposed, revealed, given. Like every image of the sacred heart, you see Jesus' heart on the outside of his body. It's a very vulnerable place for your heart to be. Your heart and my heart, where is it typically? Inside your body, behind a cage. His heart's exposed and vulnerable, revealed. He's revealed himself, the prayer continues, to the nations. Like, imagine being that vulnerable. Like, you and I, like, we are maybe vulnerable with, like, maybe one or two people, maybe your spouse, hopefully your spouse, but to the nations, to every body, every person, he's exposed, he's that naked. Like, that's, that's the madness of his love that put him in our grasp. Like, for all of us, in the flesh, he's vulnerable. In the manger, on the cross, in the flesh is how he revealed himself. We call this feast today the Feast of the Epiphany. This isn't a feast of an idea, right? When you and I typically say epiphany, it's like, oh, I had an idea. I was suddenly struck with an insight. Epiphany here, epiphany, meaning manifestation. He's revealed himself not by delivering a Bible, not by delivering a papyrus scroll. He's revealed himself in flesh. Look at his body. Look, look at his body. Linger after Mass in front of the crash. Look at his body. What is his body saying? It says, I am not going to hurt you. I'm not here to take from you. I'm here to pour out. I'm here to be given. He's revealing. His body is manifesting, revealing the paradigm, what John Paul II calls the paradigm of the gift. I am gift. I am love in the form of gift to be given to you. And we say, O God, who on this day revealed your only begotten Son to the nations by the guidance of a star. How are we doing? Are we doing okay? Yes? Give me some of this if you're good. Okay. You're like, this is a lot. Yeah, this is what's packed into just one prayer of the church. Just one prayer. O God, who revealed yourself to the nations by the guidance of a star. The word desire comes from the Latin desire, which means from the stars. Our desires are that which comes from the stars, and they're that which leads us to the stars. Let's do a little buzz light here. To infinity and? Aha. Uh -huh. Buzz light, you knew something. He knew something. We are meant to be led to infinity and beyond. Like, what are the things that stir up your heart? The things that move you, the things that pierce you. What are the little lights that the Lord has placed in the heavens of your experience that are close by, that lead you, that orient you? What are the stars that stir up your desires, that lead you to that which is beyond them? And we say, grant in your mercy that we who know you already by faith may be brought to behold the glory of your, the beauty of your sublime glory. Grant in your mercy, right? What is mercy? It is not God's choice to withhold a punishment that we think we deserve. It's his visceral love loving us at the depths of our worst. It's a heart given to misery. That's what the word means. 
And when we say, grant that we who already know you, to speak of knowledge, biblically speaking, is not head knowledge. It's this interpersonal opening of the heart kind of knowledge. And faith, John Paul II said, faith is the openness of the bride to the gift of the bridegroom. Faith is openness. How do we know him? In the measure that we are open, how deep do we need to be open? All the way down. All the way down. Grant that we may be brought to behold the beauty of your sublime glory. Like by his grace, because of his desire, we are beckoned to see something. Like the Magi came to see something. What did they see? They saw God in the flesh. God in the flesh. What are we beckoned to see? God in the flesh, right here in this Mass. Like we are the Magi with these restless hearts that have meant to be stirred up by desire to come here, to have our desires reoriented to the rising sun, that God who comes to meet us in the flesh says, I am your bread, I am your drink, I will feed your deepest hunger, I will feed your deepest thirst. Where do we see him? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And they responded by falling to their faces. Because what else would you do in the presence of God? And they opened their treasures to pour out their gifts. Our response, my friends, our response, when we behold this sublime glory, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Like the treasure, the treasure, like the universe's only treasure is the heart of the Father that has come down for us. And the chest that he wants to dwell in is not made of wood. It is your chest. He wants to dwell in your heart. So friends, do you see like this story, the magi, the gifts, the star? Oh, it's just a cute Bible story, right? Cute statues. No. Like this story, like when we have the eyes to see, like it's our story right now in this mass inviting us in. Amen.